Whether you walk in the body of a man or the body of a woman, and regardless of any sexual preferences or orientation, each of us carries within what I call the primal masculine and the primal feminine. These components are what was attempted to be pointed to in the symbolic gestures of the yin and yang and in the biblical metaphor of Adam and Eve. Neither component is greater or lesser. They are two parts of the whole and together they compose our primal state of being. We each have both of these components within us with one usually dominant and oftentimes that dominant internal component lines up with the body that we walk around in. In other words, men tend to have their primal masculine dominant, but not always. And women often tend to have their primal feminine dominant, but not always. And neither is right or wrong or greater or lesser, but rather who you lead with is determined by where you are in your journey and your current perspective. They are ever two parts of the whole, and we switch them out all the time, though we usually don't notice. And even when we do notice, they are often mislabeled. We accidentally, superficially, identify the book by its cover. For example, when a man is aggressive or angry or volatile, we tend to think that it's his masculine coming out, but it's actually the primal feminine acting itself out in the form of a man. His unmetered lashing out without regard for collateral damage is entirely the primal feminine overrunning her banks with no dams or levees of the primal masculine to direct its flow. But we nearly universally think that that behavior is masculine, don't we? But it's not. It is the unrestrained primal feminine. Or when we look at a mother comforting her child through an illness or injury, we invariably view that as the epitome of that which is feminine. But that is actually the primal masculine acting itself out in the form of a woman. This comforting and structure and reassuring and taking care of the situation is the structure and stability that is the primal masculine. And yet we do judge that book by its cover and we believe it's the feminine, but it's not. It is the primal masculine acting out from within the feminine form. So do you see? We accidentally mislabel them all the time. So, being two parts of the whole, what do you think happens when for some reason you can't seem to find one of these two pieces within you? You feel an empty spot, perhaps not consciously, but you do feel it, and you go looking for what you're missing. It's like water seeking its level. And the first place we tend to look for things is externally, in our daily waking life or what I like to call our storyboard. In fact, 
Seeking to bring together these two parts of the whole is what we're doing as we couple. It is. And again, this has nothing to do with whether you're a man or a woman or any particular sexual preference. But in nearly every case, we lead with either one or the other. And we go looking for the part that we are not leading with because we can't feel that part and find that part within us. And so we have to go and seek it externally. But we must remember that everything we do on our storyboard is actually the shadow of a higher thing. And in this case, our coupling is our attempt to transiently touch our balance albeit externally, in the fulfillment of another. And that is what we're doing when we have sex. It is. We are bringing together these two components externally. And why do we do that? It feels good because it is our acting out on the storyboard our desire to find and balance these two components and we do so both externally and compulsively having no idea how else to feed this hunger that drives us onward and we love this act of sex because even in its lesser forms it is still nothing less than touching the divine and as you might expect when you access the divine, you also access the gears of creation. And this is appropriately echoed on the storyboard through the way that if other limitations are not placed upon our coupling, the act of sex can and will end up oftentimes creating life. Yes, it often will. And this is the shadow of that divinity moving across the face of our storyboard. The face of God moving across the waters. And even when this act doesn't or can't create life, we often seek to fulfill that byproduct in other ways on the storyboard, like an adoption or using surrogates. Now, not to get too graphic, I hope, but during the climax of sex, where are you? You're nowhere, and yet there is nothing but you and your awareness. Picture that for just a moment. That is a moment of touching your divinity and that is why we crave it so. There is nothing that compares to bringing together these two opposite components in whatever flavor that you may prefer them and in that reunion momentarily we touch the divine and that's what we're up to. But I have come to tell you that you have both of these pieces already within you. And I don't say that to negate the act of sex, so don't worry, but to help you refine your perceptions and place you back in your seat of power 
where the act of this union walks in your everyday world. Because in doing so, you are accessing your divinity in and out of the bedroom, and you are bringing forward your ability to create in a very powerful and a very beautiful way. And this way is very different from how we do it right now. Right now, we're running around trying to balance externally with our actions based out of this empty spot, this imbalance, this lack, this feeling of hunger. And it's not a passing fancy. It is a hunger, isn't it? It's an empty spot that we must fill. But when you have recognized and brought forward both aspects of your primal being into your daily life, then you aren't coupling out of lack, but rather as a holy act of communion in and out of the bedroom. Then you are moving from your seat of empowerment instead of lack. And though we relate to it solely in that way at first, the understanding I'm pointing to goes on to show us that this new way of relating isn't just for the bedroom anymore. It's time to bring it into your everyday moments too. And it's easier than you might imagine once you recognize the signs and you know what you're dealing with. And that is what I'm going to try and point to today. First, I would like to try and gesture towards the more prominent attributes of our primal masculine and primal feminine. Now, please remember, we are not talking about men and women here. We are talking about spiritual attributes and regardless to the body we walk around in or the orientation of our sexual desire, each of us possess both the primal masculine and the primal feminine. But we are conditioned to think in what feels like the more familiar terms of men and women. And so I'm alerting you to the fact that you will likely need to make an effort to keep this in mind. And if you don't, you will likely become aggravated because you will fall into thinking that I'm talking about men and women here. But I'm not. Okay, the primal feminine contained within each of us is that which brings forth. She is the medium of creation. She is the fluidity of ever-present knowing, and yet alone she cannot sort or organize that which she knows. What she effortlessly intuits are like ghosts to the primal masculine. She senses these things without effort, but he cannot. Like the masculine, her greatest strength is also her greatest weakness. Her ever-present fluidity and knowingness can either water your crops or it can wash away your town. And by herself, 
she has no reliable way to meter that out. Her strength is her endless potential of creation and therefore it doesn't enforce structures or limits. She is elemental like fire but without her primal masculine in place to meter her choices and her access and her strengths she is actually challenged to use all that she possesses and again this is not women we're speaking about but the primal feminine that we all possess whether we're men or women please join me for part two to find out about the primal masculine.